0: Um, it was great to see this week, as as uh, the Barton family went into uh, the issues that they're having, had this medical emergency, it was great to see members of this body step up and, and go into action. And uh, that's what we are as the family of Christ, right? We love one another, um, and we serve one another, and we are here for one another because God is here for us, and He enables us to do that. And so today, I get to Take a small part in that and fill in for Pastor Eric so uh, that he can be with his family and they can have time to rest and recover. So um, with that thought in mind, I just wanted to ask how many are, are tired this morning? Speaking of rest, yes, yes, yes. How many routinely say, I don't have time to be, retire- to be tired, I got too much to do, I can sleep later, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can feel that from both sides, but today we're going to talk about rest, which as we saw, is a foreign concept to some of us. Um, we say, I'll sleep when I'm dead, or we say, I got too much to do, but rest is a gift from God. It's necessary, and sometimes rest isn't just like full stop. It's not sloth or laziness. It's just, let's lower those RPMs down from a 10,000 to a smooth three, and let's... let's um, we are still working, but let, let us allow other people to come around and help us because many hands make light work, right? Um, so if everyone pitches in the overworked who are still working, they get to rest by the very fact that everyone else is doing their part and no one is working too hard. Where are my children's workers? Do you all have an amen for me or anything? <laughs> so... Um, I did get an amen in first service because Ashley was here, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, anyway, rest is needed by everyone, and most everyone has the capacity to provide it for other people at times. It's a blessed gift of God, but so we will see in our scripture today that is, so is work, or, or specifically service. They go hand in hand in God's economy. This morning we're continuing in our study of Joshua. If you were here last week or even if you weren't, uh, at Bethel, we like to study through Scripture, and we just began last week a study in the book of Joshua that we're going to carry through for several months, um, but we, are, uh, we just started last week. So if you didn't hear that, I hope you maybe you can tune in to the podcast and listen to it. It was a great introduction that our pastor gave, um, and we're continuing there today. But before we do, let me, uh, let me pray. Let me stop and pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you are here. Thank you that we are your people. Lord, I pray that you would guide my words. I pray that you would speak to us all. May all of our hearts receive from you today in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Joshua, as I said, uh, we're started our study. this is our second week. The, bush- the book of Joshua immediately follows Deuteronomy in your Bibles. Um, it also follows chronologically. The first five books, we had uh, Genesis, and then after that, we had Exodus, which is where Moses came on the scene and led his people out of Egypt. They have been wandering through the uh, wilderness for some 40 years now, and Moses has finally, as the leader, he's finally um, passed away, but before he did, he commissioned Joshua to, to take the reins and to lead next. So the book of Joshua is a narrative of the conquest and the settling of the land that God has promised his people. And I think in the book of Joshua, there's kind of three abiding themes that I see. One is that land. Uh, we, we know that back in the day, back with Abraham, God originally promised the land when Abraham was wandering. And he was just him, and Sarah didn't even have any children. And God came to him and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to give you this land. And so um, now, so many years later, the time has come. Uh, Another theme is rest. Uh, This coincides with God's gift of land. The people have been wandering for 40 years, right? Um, Just because even though Scripture says that their sandals didn't wear out, I imagine that they're pretty worn out. They've been through battles. They've been through famines. They've had to reap manna every morning. They've been gorging on quail that came flying in. They were avoiding snakes. They were doing all these things, and now um, they're worn out and they're ready um, and in possessing the land, God, the people of God also receive a promised gift of rest. So much so that the scripture talks about the land itself receiving rest. Um, later in Joshua, we'll read where it says, Joshua gave the land for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. So rest is important. And the third theme um, that I think covers throughout Joshua is the covenant between God and his people. Um, which in Joshua, God continues to remind his people of his covenant with them. He does it verbally. We read that last week, um, and he does it throughout the book. And he also does it through the Ark of the Covenant. As they start progressing through the land, the Ark of the Covenant always goes in front of them as a reminder that God is with them. And that is a blessed hope that we as children have, children of God. We rely on every day. So um, let's, let's open up our scriptures to Joshua We'll go to chapter 1. Thank you, um, Colin, for reading for us. I appreciate that. Um, but let's look back at the passage. And if you remember last week, Pastor led us through the beginning of 1, 1 through 9, where God commissioned Joshua, and he reminds him that God is our salvation. And then the Lord ended with this. In, in verse 9, he said, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's that covenant promise that I was talking about. So right after that, we have Joshua who's fired up from the Lord's uh, commission to him. He turns to his people and specifically to his captains or his commanders of the army, and he says this in verse 10, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan River to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So he's get, gathered his commanders, he tells them to prepare to move. If you, um, we had a map last week, we can look at it again, real quick. Uh, it, just for reference, we're on the eastern side of that Salt Sea, Dead Sea area. Up there's the Jordan River going north of that, and that's where everyone is. And he says, in three days, we're going to cross the Jordan, and we're going to finally go into the land of promise. Um, so he says it twice, if you noticed. He says, to possess the land that I've given you to possess, which Eric reminded us last week. He's, when God says, I've given you this, now go get it. And that's where we are. Um, So naturally, I would imagine that there's some excitement, there's probably some nervous excitement, but um, I do believe that the people also heard the word that God said to Joshua before, because in part of what God said, he said, be strong and courageous, that was his battle cry, you know, and later we read that the people repeat that, they say, be strong and courageous, so I believe the people are excited, and they're ready to go, um, and that is, that's where we are. And then Joshua turns to, 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 to some specific people, right? In verse 12, it says, And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua says this. And so those are three tribes. If you don't know, um, there are 12 tribes of Israel. They, they represent the 12 uh, sons uh, of Jacob who became Israel. And so these are three of them that he's talking to. And he says this in verse 13, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. Then you should return to the land of your possession and possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. So this is kind of the hot point of the text, in my opinion, today. And to see what's really going on, um, because that's a little confusing, we need to look back a ways a year or more back when Moses was still alive, um, and it's recorded in Numbers 32, and you don't have to turn there, it's a long chapter, but I'll kind of give you the Nathan Cliff notes of Numbers 32 real quick, um, just to get get a a reference. So back in Numbers, back with Moses, these three tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, um, they they were the ranchers. They were the herders. They were the livestock tinsmen of of Israel. They um, were the cowboys. You know, they were the guys that were doing all of that. And as they traveled up that north side of the map that we looked up looked at against uh, a minute ago, as they traveled up past, oh yeah, there it is, through the through past the Dead Sea. They were looking around and they said, "Hey, this land is." It's good ranch land. It's good for grazing. It's good for our livestock. There's some mountains over here, so it's not the greatest for farming, but it is good for us. And they went to Moses, and um, they asked Moses for this land. And they started out by trying to impress with their virtue. And in Numbers 32, it says, The land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Imagine that. So they said, if we have favor, if we have found favor in your sight, look at us, let this land be given to your servants for possession and do not take us across the Jordan. So (laughs) Moses wasn't having it. Moses, in fact, he kind of schooled them and he said, don't you remember your fathers 40 years ago? They also didn't want to cross the Jordan. They were afraid. God had given them this promised land, and they looked over there, and they said, that looks hard, those people look mean, we just want to stay here. And God, through Moses, said, okay, you're staying here. And they had to stay in the land, in the wilderness, for 40 more years until that whole generation passed on. So these are their children. This is the next generation coming up. And Moses reminds them of this, and then he says... "Um." He, he says, now, 40 years later, you guys are worse than your dads because you didn't learn from that, and you still don't want to cross over. But they replied to him, and they said that they would make good on their promise. And they, they said this, give us this land now, let us settle. And then in verse 17, they say, we will take arms, ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. So I believe that God, in his gracious mercy, he listened to them, and he answered their request. And so through Moses, he said, go ahead and give them this land. And Moses did. It was their land on that eastern side. They had it right away. And, and they were able to start establishing it. And, and Numbers records that these three tribes had their own conquests. They took their own cities. They built their own ranch houses and, and, and pens and all that they do for their livestock. And they settled in. And they were there while Moses was still alive. And now, two or so years later, we're back in Joshua. And he's reminding them, I know you've settled in. I know you've gotten what God's given you. But do you remember your words to Moses when he gave you this land? It's time to help your brothers. And not only help, but you guys are the cowboys. You're the strong ones. And you have battle experience. So you're not just going to help. You're going to be the mighty men of valor that lead the charge. And that's what they were called to do. So how did they respond? In verse 16 of Joshua chapter 1, it says, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, which I think is funny, so we will obey you. (laughs) Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And there's where they repeat what God had told Joshua. So how did they respond? Well, I think they answered with vigor and enthusiasm. God had given them their land. He had given them rest, and they had taken it. And now they're asked to set aside that rest for their brothers and sisters, and they do it. These men had been enabled by God for such a time as this, and they answered their call. So, what can we draw from that for us? I have kind of three things that I want to talk about that we can draw from this passage today. And the first is this: from earlier on, <clears throat> our um, as God's people, our identity is not in our leaders; our identity is in the Lord. Um, Moses, he was kind of the first celebrity pastor, right? He was the giver of the law. He was the man. In fact, um, the people really relied on him, and they almost lost it. They barely made it out alive when Moses went up for a camping trip on Mount Sinai, and he spent a few days up there, and they went berserk and kind of lost it because they were only relying on the man. And Moses came back down with the Ten Commandments, and if you remember the story or you heard the story... He's angry, and he breaks those, and he has to go back up, and they write him again, um, and it was just an ordeal. But thanks be to God. Now they've realized at this time that they are the Lord's people, and they vowed to obey Him and to follow Joshua, even though Moses was gone. So in church today, if we rely solely on our pastors to sustain the body, then we are setting up for failure here too. Um, It's not only a setup for ourselves because pastors and and leaders, they they move on and they go away, which ours is not, but that happens. (laughs) Um, It's a setup for them too, I believe, because um, um, when we put that pressure upon them, when we expect uh, great personalities, when we expect temptation, we're only expecting the impossible. And so... Um, It's a grace to our pastors. It's a grace to Eric and Mike and our worship leaders to neither expect nor demand perfection, to keep them off of that pedestal, Um, even though we are thankful and blessed to have them, right? I mean, we are blessed to have the word given here every Sunday in such a, a wonderful way. It blesses me. And and we are blessed to have worship that is so good um, every Sunday. It's it's amazing. But even though that's it, those words that are proclaimed are words of God. They're God's words. And Eric and Susan and Mike and Heather and the worship team, they are also gods. Not little G-O-D-S. They're not like Zeus. They're not gods. But they belong to God in the exact same way that we belong to God. Not a next threshold, but they are his like we are. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. Um, and at our home, we say this a lot, my wife more than others, and, and especially now as, as our kids are kind of getting older and getting toward the teenage years and looking at other people and stuff, we, we say this, our identity, I, our identity is not what you do. It's not who you love. It's not who loves you. On this earth, your identity is who you are in Christ Jesus. And he loves you the most, by the way. So that's the first point. The second point is this. The Lord enables us. Just like the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, God has enabled many to take their rest later and to serve their brother or their sister now when he is in need. Lay aside your rest because the Lord will give you rest. That's what they did, right? They took their land early, they created rest for themselves, but then they laid it aside, and we will learn that the Lord gives them rest. Now, um, Chris mentioned that I'm in the missions committee, and so as a missions committee member, I can tell you for sure that there are plenty of ways that you can serve. (laughs) I can also tell you, I mean, we heard about um, announcements this morning, Sierra Leone, right? We heard about uh, international student ministries that are happening Uh, We also know that we have partner churches across the world, in Italy and in Spain and and different places, and we do some discipleship training down in Nicaragua that some of you all have volunteered and done or are planning to do. Um, So there are plenty of options. And then here we have children's ministry, we have uh, service through communion, we have security. There's plenty of ways that we can rest. But... um, Equally or maybe more importantly, I wanted to talk about another way, a specific way where, that we sometimes overlook, and that is to serve maybe the person that's sitting next to you today or the, or the people that are across the aisle from you today because often your brother and your sister are in need. They need help. Um, and if you see that need, then step up and volunteer. And, and don't just say, hey, let me know if I can help, you know, that kind of thing, because if a person's overwhelmed, they won't, look, they won't let you know, because they don't really know how they can be helped at the time. But instead, consider something like this. You need rest. God has given me strength in this time, so I'm going to help, and then find what to do and do it. That's what happened in our body this week with the Bartons. Many people saw a need, thought of how to solve it, and they jumped into action, and I was blown away by it. Um, And I would guess that before any of those people read today's scripture, they did that. And so I thank God and I thank the Holy Spirit for moving in their lives and for them answering that call. Um, And I'm going to part from my notes for just a second. I didn't share this in the first service because my mother was here and I didn't think I could share it looking at her. But I want to tell you personally how this happened for me. It was Tuesday when I realized that Pastor wasn't, uh, or he was still planning to preach. And I was like, you guys need to circle up, and y'all need some rest at home. And so he w- we went back and forth about it, and we prayed about it, and finally he he relented, and he said, okay, you can, you can preach. And I, and I told him, he said, well, first he said, read the scripture, and let me know, you know, does the Lord have something for, for you from the scripture? And I told him, I really feel like, just like these three tribes, God has given me some strength. He has enabled me right now, and this is probably the only time I will ever volunteer (laughs) unprodded, but I'm doing it, and you need rest. And he said, you're right, and he took it gracefully and and kind of to my surprise, but I appreciate it. So 24 hours later, so Wednesday, my dad found out that his cancer has returned, and it's returned in, like, full force. It's it's not good. And it's not me that's sick, and it's not my child, like the Bartons, who I'm caring for, but it's still an extra burden that came upon me at, at an awkward and weird time, because I had just heard from the Lord, I've enabled you, lay aside your rest, and I'll give you rest. And, and I just want to say that, and <laughs> uniquely enough, I've only preached her one other time, it was in Christmas time, and it was like, I was scheduled to preach, and three days before that is when my dad found out about his cancer the first time. So maybe I'll never volunteer again, because that's just weird, but, but and some people would say that. They would say, no good deed goes unpunished, right? But, but I don't think that's the case for me. In fact, in these short days as I've been preparing, um, God has ministered to me, and he has given me peace a peace that passes understanding, as we read in, in Philippians, where, where it says, don't be anxious about the things, but it, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. And I feel like that's what God's given me today. Um, and and I'm praying for my dad. I love my dad. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. We're still going through some tests and things, but but for today... Today, God has given me strength, and today, the Bartons needed rest, and so God sustains, and he enables. So that was my testimony for now. But anyway, back to the scripture. So just like Joshua reminded the three tribes, God tells us today, I've provided for you, I've enabled you, and you may feel weary, but at this time, your brother is wearier. So it is time to lay aside your rest for now, which I have indeed promised you, and walk in obedience and, and I just want to say it is a miraculous gift from God. Walking in obedience can be refreshing and restful, even as you're working. Uh, Philippians 2 says this, So if there, are any encourage, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, which of course in Christ there's all of these things, Then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 2, 1 through 5. This passage uh, shows us that our call to sacrificially submit ourselves to one another doesn't begin with our sacrifice. It began with God's. We're called in unity, or we're called to unity in spirit and purpose after having received all these blessings from being in Jesus Christ. It's the Lord who provides. It's the Lord who enables. Uh, we hear this all the time, right? The gospel is the good news of what God has done in Christ to redeem us to Himself. And to one another. And to be redeemed and united to one another is to serve one another. But by the same token, uh, if you are in a place of need, or when that comes, which it comes for all of us, please accept the help that's offered from others. When a palm reaches out, grab it and allow yourself to be lifted. Let God work His blessings on both you and your brother and sister when they come to your aid. The third point is this, and it goes back to that last little section, and it's, it's a question: Why do people always think they have to boastfully overpromise? <laughs> I mean, do you remember what they said? Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will do for you. But we just heard that they hadn't done that. Uh, they Moses schooled them; he laid them down. They weren't obedient, but. Maybe they have revisionist history, maybe they have short memories, or maybe, and this is kind of what I think, I mean, I think there was a little bit of that, but I also think it was a little more, because we see the evidence, we see that in numbers, when they asked for this land, they made good on their promise two years later, when they could have been like, we've done our work, we're done, we're kicking those boots off, and we're staying here with our livestock. But instead, they stepped up. Even if their response was a little overzealous with the, uh, you know, you've seen all we've done and how we've always obeyed Moses. But anyway, um, and we can see in Joshua 22, I wanted to read kind of the, the end of the story. It says this, at that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and obeyed my voice in All that I have commanded you, you've not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but you have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan." Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all of his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and soul. So Joshua blessed them and he sent them away and they went to their tents. And then it says a little bit later, when they came to the region of the Jordan, that is, in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size, so a big one. And then there's a lot of scripture about some confusion and some activity, and there will be sermons about that galore, I'm sure. But at the very end of that chapter, it says this. They returned to that altar, and it says, The people of Reuben and Gad called this altar witness, for, they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. So, I believe through their experiences of service to the Lord, these three tribes finally learned personally and internally that the, tr- the truth that it's the Lord who is God. If you notice, their pride had gone. This wasn't a grand memorial of what they had done, This was a tribute and um, an altar to the Lord. They had matured in their understanding of their God, and they had done that through the experience of obeying. Um, They now were entering rest both physically and spiritually, and all they wanted to do was proclaim the Lord. They knew after walking through all of this that it was God who delivers. And in the same way for us, um, that's true today, right? Right? And in addition, because we have Jesus who has sent his Holy Spirit, we have even a bigger gift. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit who urges us and enables us. So back to that that over-promising, I'm not saying that we make promises that we can't, or that we know we can't complete, but I am saying this, if the Spirit draws you to a big thing that's probably intimidating Don't be afraid to step into it. Because even though we can't deliver, which I know I'm not delivering personally, God delivers. And that's really the key in all of this, I believe. It's God who works and delivers. But he chooses to do it in and through our faithful obedience. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Our God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power his Holy Spirit, at work within us. So if you know Christ and you are born again, then you are indwelled by this Spirit, and his power is at work in you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, if all that I've been saying today sounds foreign to you, like just strange or different, but it's somehow intriguing, then I believe that is the Spirit of God tugging at your soul as well. He wants to know you. Or he knows you. He wants you to know him. So um, you can come and talk to me. You can talk to staff. You can talk to some of the deacons and elders, people that you saw serving communion. We would love to introduce you to our Jesus. And for all of us, if the Spirit prompts you toward a good thing, even a thing that would be an effort or a sacrifice, it's a God thing because the Spirit's prompting. And you'll be better off. You'll be more rested You'll you'll grow in faith if you do it. Let me just say that I'm not trying to preach a sermon that says you have to work in order to receive God. In fact, it's completely the opposite of that. We're not here that we have to do in order for God to come. In fact, God didn't tell the men they had to do this service in order that the Lord would be with them. Instead, he said it opposite as well. He began in Joshua saying, Do not fear, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But when we obey, we, we, have, we have the blessedness of God's work in our lives. So I have one more scripture that I want to share with that in mind. And um, I'm going to share it as a benediction. So this comes to the end. You can stand, and, uh, and we'll have a benediction, and then you'll be dismissed. A little bit early. Thanks be to God. (laughs) All right, here it is. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says this. For you, my brothers and sisters, have been called to liberty, to freedom. Only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to go and serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourselves. And from Joshua... Be strong and courageous in doing it. God bless you all. You're dismissed.